0: Welcome to another episode of Tech Writer Voices. I'm Tom Johnson, your host, and today I'm talking with Paul Pearson. He is an MVP in one of the Madcap software forums, and we're going to talk about Flare, which is Madcap's core authoring tool for online help. So, Paul, can you tell us a little bit um, why you started using Flare and how long you've been using it?
1: Well, I've been using Flare for about a year now, Um, maybe... I think in November of 2006 is when we first uh, started evaluating a help authoring tool. We chose Flare um, because it is a, it works well in our workflow. We really liked the XML source code. We were glad to find a tool where we felt like it was future-proof in the sense that if um, we decide to change to a different tool in the future, our co- our code is not locked into some binary format that we can't get out i can write some sort of xslt transform if i need to to take my flare files and turn them into whatever i want so that was a that was a good reason to go with flare i um liked the integration it had with our source control system when we first started with flare it didn't have built-in source uh source control integration but um we were able to, at least cause it's, because they're plain text files, you check them in and you can do diffs, line by line diffs, which I thought was uh, a, a nice feature over I'd been checking in these FrameMaker files into our source control, taking up huge amounts of space for these books every day when I made changes, but I can now uh, with a nice with an easy format check in small chunks of text, and it
0: saves space, and I think it's a more efficient use. Tell me, what do you think, you talked about the XML editor, what do you think is, is Flair's biggest strength that people would say, yeah, this is This is definitely the best thing about Flare.
1: Well, I think that one of the biggest strengths is, in general, the Madcap tools seem to look at a tech writer's workflow and provide tools to help in those stages of the workflow. Tools that all work together, tools that all help achieve the same end. And so I think the best thing about Flare, in my opinion, is it... Me, it does what i need it to do it, it produces the output that i want it to produce in a way that is effective in a way that saves me time and effort and energy and um and at the end that's the end of the day that flare does what i need it to do and so i'm quite pleased with it
0: so when you say flare does what you need it to do are you producing both online help and like printed pdf manuals and and if you're producing the printed pdf Do you have to spend much time reformatting the output into Word or frame that you generate?
1: Uh, Yes, we do create um, online and printed output. And that's one of the things I really like about Flare. I was really excited when I found out that I could use my CSS style sheet to create quality printed output. And I've spent quite a bit of time. It's taken a long time working with my CSS, working with master pages, working with all the different pieces to create uh, great output. But um, in the end, I really like what we get from our printed documentation. There is some post processing that's necessary um, for several reasons. One of them is um, there are several things that I want to do that are specific to my documentation on my cover page. I want to have a kind of a background logo with text over top of it, and um, Flare and Word don't communicate somehow to make you so you can do background images underneath text uh, in printed output. So I do some post processing for my cover page. There are some things that Flare Um, and Word don't communicate on in the ways that maybe I want it to do Uh, works fine for somebody else. But when I'm doing my table of contents, um, Word takes the items from the table of contents as bookmark references from the rest of the document. And um, I want in my table of contents to say chapter one and then the title of the text. Well, Word can't do that because it's just pulling in exactly what's in the the document itself, and I don't have that in my document, so I do some post processing in the table of contents, and I put in t- chapter one, chapter two, etc. Et um, there are a couple of bugs that I know MadCap is working on uh, related to cross references in printed output, where I will try and be linking to a, just a you know see topic on page X, and it might be on page twenty three, but there are a couple places where it puts page one. And so I have to go through and check all my cross-references and make sure that they're not um, linking to the wrong page. But that's that's not a big deal. It's a minor bug. And for the most part, I create these printed outputs in sort of a temporary format. And all of my, all the people that I work with, uh, all my stakeholders understand that until I publish a final project, that they're getting an incomplete version. It's not one I'd hand to the customer, but I can spend two hours at the end of my project and create... Uh, to fix those minor things that I have to do post-processing and still have a great final output. Uh, I do that maybe once or twice during the development cycle so that I have this kind of semi-formal, maybe, you know, release-type document. But um, and, and it's not that big of a deal to me, really.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that when I output to Word, the output Is really pretty good. Like I don't have to fix a lot of things. The lists are all numbered correctly. There, the formatting looks good. There are just some things that are are little little things that you have to do. Like I like to have section breaks in certain places where new topics begin, and make sure that I have things uh, aligned. Well, not aligned, but that things begin at the right place sometimes. And uh, but yeah, I, I think that's one of the like biggest strengths, definitely. Now you mentioned CSS, so. Tell me a little bit more about Flare's use of CSS. It seems like it uses it pretty thoroughly to style everything, including the skin.
1: Yeah, in fact, I think that's one of one thing I love about Flare is the CSS editor. Um, it's by far the best CSS editor I've ever seen. Maybe there's something else out there, but I haven't seen it. Uh, I love the way that you can stylize all of your topics, all of your content, all of your everything from the CSS editor. I love how all of the potential uh, style options are shown in the advanced editor uh i love how they group them i love the way that it's i think it's really easy to use um it's i i I just haven't found another css editor that works as well i think as as flares does Um, i really like the way that you every and it all comes back down like you say, the skins you style skins in a very similar way that you style um, tables in the very similar way that you style the, re- the regular content of your product or your project and so yeah I think the CSS implementation in Flare is one of its greatest strengths and it makes it future proof in a sense uh, because it's using a, a, a web standard it makes it so that it's going to be renderable in multiple browsers across I mean anyone who supports well we won't talk about Microsoft browsers maybe but any of the major browsers that support web standards it's going to appear like I want it to appear and that's great
0: you even you sent me a link to to a website you'd created and it looked like a like a regular website but you had customized the flare web skin to make it look like that
1: it actually that's my portfolio and you can see it on my website which is uh www.paulpearson.com it's p a u l p e h r s o n and yeah it's my online portfolio site i created it in flare but it's not a skin per se i actually pulled it out of the skin because the skin the skin styles affect the way the frame set looks, and the content you're seeing on my blog is actually outside of the frame set. You're looking at the topic itself, so all of that styling was done with uh, CSS and the master page.
0: All right, let's move into dangerous waters. What's Flair's biggest weakness?
1: Flair's biggest weakness, I would say, that's an interesting question. It's going to be different for each person because it's the one area where you'd like Flair to be better or different um, that. It would make your workflow better, right? So for me, I would love to see uh, madcap tools available multi- across platform. I'd love to be able to work in Linux and have a Flare editor that I could use in Linux and my, the software I document's in Linux and the build machines in Linux and all the stuff I'm doing is in Linux. So I've got one machine open on one side where I'm doing stuff in Linux and I've got my Floor editor open in, in Windows. And so I've got to have two machines running in order to make that work um, efficiently, and so I'd love to see some cross-platform integration in in Flare, and, and the way that they've got it designed with .NET, I don't think that's happening anytime soon.
0: So are you saying that Mac users can't use Flare on their machines?
1: Not without some sort of a, an emulator, or a Windows emulator or something. It's not going to run natively on Mac, it's not going to run natively on Linux. It has to be a Windows box.
0: What about the learning curve? A lot of people talk about the fact that there is a learning curve to the application, and in a lot of places it's kind of it takes a while to get it, like for example, the cursor, and you know, it's a very different kind of cursor. Do you think that usability is something that um, could be improved on in flare? well it's a difficult balance to walk, I think you've got
1: a product that has incredible functionality, and in software design you, there's a balance between A lot of function or easy to use? It seems like those, in in many cases, well, it's not maybe not easy to use. A lot of function means complexity. And oftentimes, complexity means more difficult to use. Um, And there's so many different ways that you might implement a particular feature that the way that is intuitive maybe for one person isn't intuitive for another because they have different expectations about how you might accomplish something. So I think that because it's so powerful because it does so much um it is not something that your average word user is going to come in and say oh yeah i know exactly how to do what i want to do but i don't think it's designed to be that way i think that it takes some time and effort to learn how to use like any great tool i don't think you uh, someone can open photoshop and can um do great image editing it's not going to happen. It takes some effort and some learning and some and some trial and error, and you grow in your ability to use it. And, and the better, the more you use it, the better you get at creating something that is really cool.
0: How long did it take you to become really comfortable with Flare?
1: I think um, I had experience using RoboHelp in the past, and there were a lot of things about Flare that reminded me of RoboHelp. Uh, it's the same type of. It fits in the same genre of tool, it has similar underlying workflows in many cases In a lot of cases they're different but in many cases there there are similarities at least that I could say oh okay I get what I'm trying to accomplish and there's other things that were totally different like indexing was different and there were some other things that were kind of confusing the first time using it but I probably spent a couple of months um, learning and figuring out and my first output wasn't as complex or as sophisticated as maybe I'm able to do now but I was able to get a project out the door in maybe within the first month and a half I think of, of actually getting Flare installed and running. and so that was pretty impressive. I look back on it, and some of the styles aren't as as, as advanced as I'd like them to be or things that I have done in the, more recently. but um, so I guess in one sense, I was able to get a, a product out the door quickly without a lot of work, but there were it took time to learn some of the advanced functionality, and that's,
0: that's not unexpected from my a complex tool. I you mentioned indexes and I think this is one of Flare's strengths. I know that uh if if you want to insert an index word midway down into a topic, you can do that. They're not all crammed into the header. So if you have 10 drop-down hotspots on the page and and you want to add a bunch of index words to that page, well if you exp- if you generate it in a printed output all those hotspots going to take 10, 15 pages and your index isn't going to point to the right location. So I definitely like the index that uh flare provides. Do you provide, do you do, you, um, do a lot of indexes for your printed outputs?
1: I do pretty simple indexes, but I think you're exactly right. And It was one of the weaknesses of some older tools was that the indexing uh, in printed output wasn't very helpful. It would lead you to the header of the topic, but it wouldn't bring you right to the page or paragraph where the index item occurred. This is also important because you might have content in your topic that's conditionally excluded when you go to print or when you go to online. And if that if that index entry is part is conditionalized, it won't appear. So if the condition is not included, so I might have some, some screen only or online only conditions and some print only conditions with indexes scattered throughout, and only the indexes that are part of the target that i 'm publishing will actually be uh, included in the output, which is really important because you don't want to have um, indexes showing up index items showing up for, for paragraphs that you 've excluded from that particular topic so now my indexes are pretty simple, but um, I get the power and I get the, I understand the the How great indexing really is in Flare.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up about the whole conditional public publishing because, I mean, when you publish a, a, a file, you don't want to have to worry about whether the index entries of the topic you wanted excluded are showing up. I mean, that would just be a nightmare to have to try to apply conditional tags to the indexes as well. So, now another strength of Flare, I think, is its ability to match, mix and match. Uh, targets with table of contents and style sheets. Do you want to talk about the ways that you can just mix up the these three items: the the target, meaning like whether web help or print or or something else, along with the table of contents and the style sheet?
1: Uh, I think that it's kind of it's actually pretty cool what you can accomplish when you have a core set of topics. Um, you have maybe. 50 topics in your project right and there are certain topics you want maybe a complete user guide and you want maybe a beginner's user guide for example and so you can have your your core set of topics one table of contents that lists the items in your complex guide another table of contents that lists items in your simple guide and you just drop these topics into the table of contents and build your output and that's all you have to do i mean everything else is going to work the the table of contents in your printed guides are going to Show up exactly with the topics that are in them. The indexes are going to only include the topics that you that are included in your project. It's all just going to work. And in the end, it's kind of cool to be able to say, "Oh, I can do that." And someone brings up a, pro- a request for you to um, to make a smaller version of your guide, or to do a quick start guide, or to do some sort of um, combination of two different guides, and you can say, "Oh, that's really easy. I'll just grab these topics in here, put them in this topic here, publish an output." And they say, "Wow, how'd you do that so quickly?" And uh, it's because, uh, because it's such a great and easy way to use multiple tables of
0: contents in a project. Um, speaking of just using content and reusing content, I know that Flare has snippets and variables, and you can reuse content using these two features. you want to explain what those are for people?
1: A variable is just like a variable in programming. It's a, it's a section of text. And it might be, it's just plain text. It might be, I use variables for my product name, for my company name. I use variables for um, anything that might change in the output. And so I worked on a product uh, before I worked with Flare, but I had a product that was being resold to uh, other clients and they had objects in the, in the, in our help that they would have to rename. They'd go through manually and search for these the titles of these objects and rename them for their output when they resold them. But with variables, you can just insert the variable into the topic, and as part of your target you can say, for this variable, insert this word, and that target includes the correct variable definition, um, which can, you can have as many variable definitions as you have targets, and it's actually pretty powerful. A snippet is, a, is bigger than a variable. It includes anything from um, a paragraph a sentence a paragraph or a topic and it can include images it can include its own conditional text it can include it's basically a topic that you can reuse and import into other topics and it might it might be a full topic with a header you know, a one heading and images and the whole nine yards or it could be as simple as one sentence that gets reused over and over again it can be part of a a numbered list that gets reused over and over again throughout your content. Um, so a snippet lets you have formatting and multiple paragraphs and all of the things that a topic lets you have while a variable is just, um, some plain text that you can replace in different targets. All
0: right. Earlier, Paul, you, you were talking about how Flare um, fits into the technical writers workflow or, or maybe you mentioned this or I thought you mentioned it. But I know Madcap has more than just Flare. I mean, they're developing a whole suite of products to try to uh, tackle the whole workflow. They have Blaze and they have uh, Analyzer and they have Mimic and Capture and Echo and Lingo and a lot of other things. So what's your opinion on the suite approach? Do you think that's a good approach to try to develop a bunch of different tools rather than just have like a single specialized tool? I mean, I use Snagit and I like Photoshop and I like Captivate and... You know, But this is a different approach. I would be using all of their authoring suites. So what do you think of suites?
1: I think it's a great approach. I think because if, when you would look at the workflow of a technical communicator, when you look at trying to insert an image into a topic, for example, I might want to have callouts on my image. Well, I also want to include a variable on, as part of my callout. Say I want to include my product name. I can link my image to my Flare project. I can insert that variable into the callout on the image. And when I change my variable definition in my target, it actually goes through and changes the words on the image. And that's pretty powerful. I don't have to go through and redo all the text on my screenshots. Let's say I'm a localizer, and um, I'm using Lingo to integrate or to translate my... My Flare project into some localized language. And I don't know if, if um, Lingo does this right now. Uh, it may or may not. But there's power in Lingo being able to open capture and edit the text that a, that's on a screenshot and, or a call out on a screenshot and have that be localized into the language as well as part of the localization process. You don't have to have translators that have experience using Snagit. Or they don't have to go into the application, re grab screenshots, redraw arrows, re enter text onto the screenshots. All they have to do is use lingo, and the text shows up to translate. They translate it, and Flare and Capture together work it all out in the end for you. So it's actually, when you recognize what it's, act, what it's accomplishing, I think it's really powerful. And, you, and if you're localizing projects and, and that part of lingo were to work with Flare, I think it probably does i don't know i've not used lingo because uh, we don't localize our products but i can see how that could be really powerful and could be really helpful in uh in that workflow
0: oh wow yeah i hadn't really considered that that's that gives a good overview of how that might work all right paul uh what experience have you had with madcap analyzer i know this is a, a new tool that has come out just in the past week or so and it's supposed to do some incredible things actually Charles Jeter said that it's it does things so impressive that it's almost scary. So, what is it, and what does it do? Analyzer is a
1: great um, add-on product to Flare. It allows you to analyze, amazingly enough, your Flare project. It looks for um, for content in your product or in your project um, that is reusable. It looks it identifies places where you can insert snippets. It identifies a place where you can use um, variables or places where you've used variables, but then in some case, maybe my variable is, is my product name. And then somewhere else, I actually use the name of the product. It will say, hey, did you really want to use a, a variable here rather than typing out the product name? Um, and so it helps you um, identify... Areas where you can reuse content. It gives you reports on broken content, broken links. Um, it does. It has all kinds of reports available to you. I haven't used it really extensively. I've run a, uh, I've run one of my projects through it to see what it would do, and I was impressed. I think I thought it gave me a lot of useful information. I thought it was a uh, a great tool, especially probably for bigger projects where you um, don't have a huge handle on maybe you've got hundreds of topics in a project and how do you remember exactly where you might have used a snippet or where you uh, might have used text that's similar. Um, it can help you identify those and, and fix them. It can, you can fix all kinds of problems very quickly that would take a lot of time to go through to find them um, if you were just analyzing your, product, your project by hand.
0: Now, let's talk about the forums The Madcap Forums, I think, are an excellent resource. They're at forums.madcapsoftware.com. How many people contribute to these forums? I notice that you're a MVP, and there's other designations, senior propeller head, junior propeller head, I'm a baby propeller head. What are these designations, and how many people participate in this forum?
1: I actually don't know how many people participate. I, 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 there are a lot of people with accounts. If you were to look at the number, if you were to look at the member list in the forums and see how many people contribute on a regular basis, uh, I would guess there are in a hundred or more. I don't know. I have no idea what the number is, um, but I know there are a lot of people we see regularly. I'm a I'm a, a, an MVP, as you say. That's a um, a volunteer forum moderator. Uh, someone from AdCap contacted me and asked if I'd be willing to be a uh, a forum moderator, and I don't get any kind of compensation for doing it. I do it because I enjoy working with Flare and the and the MadCap products, and uh, and it, we kind of can, I don't know, do moderator kinds of things. Police topics, we can merge topics as necessary. We can give extra help. I mean, we have a little, maybe more of a, a designation because we're a, an MVP. That when we say something, maybe it carries. More weight, I don't know, with a user than than just some random other message. Now the topics you referred to were the you know senior propeller head and propellus maximus or something, and junior propeller head. Those have to do with um, your post count, and so as you increase your number of posts, you automatically get a different designation. And so um, I think when when I became a, an MVP in the forum, I wasn't even the the highest level. It was like a senior propeller head or something, and then. It was after that that I became a propellus maximus or something. I'm not sure even what my designation is anymore. But that's a that's a feature actually available in the PHPBB forums. That's a uh, that they have that allows you to create these kind of designations to show your users that are more active get a, a different designation so that maybe that carries again more weight with when they give an answer to a per, to a question.
0: One of the things that that uh, I think is really appealing about MadCap is the fact that it's local local it's in california well i guess local depends on where you live <laughs> but uh it's it doesn't seem so remote it seems like a company that is small enough that your voice can be heard you can contact somebody do you think that in this global day of global product development or things take place across the world that it's even relevant to have have a like U.S. based company that's relatively small.
1: And that's an interesting question. I suppose it depends on where you live. I like having Madcap um, close by. I feel like I can contact people there and get answers to my questions. And and having them, you know, only a time zone away from me is pretty handy because we keep fairly similar hours. I suppose if I lived in Australia or in you know, the Eastern Hemisphere somewhere that I would be um maybe not quite so happy with it because it'd be harder to get a hold of somebody. But um so I think maybe I, I kind of feel like they're there's sort of a family like feel. You contact them and they're genuinely happy, nice people.
0: Um I, I know what you mean when you say they're genuinely, you know, happy and nice. They Mike Hamilton came out and gave a presentation to our chapter in Florida when I was there we only had about 20 to 25 people who who were there in our chapter. But he still flew all the way out. He brought his own projector. I had actually forgotten to bring the projector that night. So it was really pretty impressive. In the past, I asked to interview him when I was just starting out this podcast. And he totally was agreeable to it and, and very helpful. So it's nice to know that you can reach key people within an organization. Sometimes if organizations grow too big... You don't even know how to contact customer support because you have to have a license and you know it, it gets to be um, pretty uh, not as fun. The mom and pop feel is important.
1: I think that's great. I think that you look at like Mike Hamilton does a presentation and he gives his email address at the end of the presentation. We're talking about the vice president of product management for the company giving out his email address and saying, hey, send me an email. Um, there's that's There's power in that. As a user, it makes you feel like, wow, they really care about me they really care about my business and you and you get that feel when any time i mean any interaction i've had with with madcap has been that same way they're just very um helpful and they really care about individual customers and they want to make us happy i feel like i mean you could, it's very easy to request new features and there are many features that um i've talked about maybe on my blog for example um in june of last year i published a a couple of posts one was um one was titled six persistent flare problems and one was six things i love about flare and you know I, I saw that you linked to them um from your website but in within several months of that blog post um Matt came out with a new version of the software and a lot of the problems that i pointed out were fixed you go back to that post now on my blog and you have and I, I've, I've crossed out all of the um things that i wrote before so that people could see hey this was a problem i brought up in june of last year and um i even put the date of when i made the edit and there's just lines and paragraphs of things that have been crossed out and updated because because i wrote something and Flare, um, support listened and implemented changes and, and it's kind of cool to feel like they care about what we think and the changes we want made um in many cases they're happy to figure out a way to make it work
0: actually i was just reading that post before you came over and uh I saw all the text that you'd crossed out and the, the other stuff, and I I learned a few things, too. I was like, really? For example, you you said that um, if you print uh, a page in the Flare web help, it applies the print medium style sheet settings. So I printed a page just to test it out, and I was like, wow, didn't even know that. But I think that's a power also of blogging is because when you write a post on Flare, it turns up in Google, and everybody uses Google... So, it's good to see that, that they're responsive, and they should be, definitely, because, um, I mean, that's how a lot of people gather information.
1: Especially in a web tool world. We live in a world now where small companies um, that are producing software like Madcap is doing have to be on top of the blogosphere. They have to be on top of user forms. And you see that if you make any kind of a post in a help authoring type user form, there's someone from Madcap who's watching it and who will respond very quickly. Um, because you have to. That's how you manage your brand. That's how you manage um, your image to the world. Because more and more, our image to the world is being do- is being created for us by bloggers, by people, and user forums. Because, like you say, people are using Google. People are using search engines to find out about our companies. And so, we want to. Pr- a- a- any company um, wants to create a good interaction or a good experience for potential customers when they do a search on their product and they, so you've got to manage those uh, in a web two world you have to manage that kind of um content about your company in a positive way and i think florida's a uh, madcap does a great job doing it
0: all right speaking of web 2.0 one of the things we haven't even touched on is the feedback server and madcap has taken pains to integrate user interaction so if you look at their help file which i'll put a link to it in the show notes here if you if you look at their online help file at the bottom, there's a comment section where I could write a comment and say, "Look, your instructions about table styles don't even begin to touch upon it," or something. I would probably phrase it positive, knowing that it would be there for the rest of the generations or whatever if it were approved. What do you think of this move by by MadCap to integrate comments and and allow users to rate topics?
1: I think it is I think it's a part of the you know like you say web 2.0 world. It provides help content that allows people to interact with it in some meaningful way. In particular with the way that Flare has their own help, they use their own help authoring tool to create their help which I think is important. There are other help authoring tools out there today that don't use their own software to create the help for their product, which is kind of telling I think. But um but Flare does it. Flare uses Feedback Server as part of their um, Implementation of their own help. In fact, you may maybe, many people don't realize this, but if you push F1 and get help in your own Flare workspace, and you can view the same topics and the same comments, um, the same feedback options within um, Flare itself that you'd see if you were out on their website looking at the. Um, at the website version of Flare Help. And so yeah, you can create you can create comments, you can respond to the to the author of the topic and say, "Hey, you know, this should be improved or changed." And if they approve the comment, you know, it'll be seen. In many cases, those types of comments probably won't be. But um but you can other, other people can come along and say, hey, here's another way you can do this or, a, or a, a tip or a trick that has to do with this particular topic. And those kinds of things are available for anyone to read. And, of course, you as a help author have the opportunity to, to determine how much of that is visible, how much isn't visible. Anyone who's managing their, their brand is going to have to make that tough decision. How much do we want our customers to be able to write about our help? In the help file and be visible, and how much don't we want them to see? Um, that's a line that a company, each company has to draw for itself. But and I think MadCap does a good job with that line too. I don't necessarily want to see anyone who, you know, is a proponent of another tool who comes in and just writes all kinds of anti-MadCap content on the on the you know in the help system simply because they've got an axe to grind. That doesn't help me as a user. I want to see I want to see information in the um, in the help files that is useful that other people have figured out. And, and that's good stuff. And I think it's great to be able to, to find that both in the web help version of Flare's help and within Flare help itself.
0: Okay, last question here. This is the hardest one of all. In five years from now, how do you see the online help market? In other words, uh, there's a lot of competition right now. Some people say DITA is the way to go. We're moving towards free, open, non-proprietary tools or other people say adobe is this giant juggernaut that's expanding and creating giant suites that have lots of more integration and then madcap is expanding its office and it's creating all these new tools so the person who's just starting out in tech writing they ask what tool do i need to know because there's 17 different tools so in five years how do you see things playing out
1: That's a really good question. I think that in five years from now, I think you're still going to see proprietary tools. You're still going to have a a system where people are um, purchasing a help authoring tool to get the work done. I don't know that you're going to have some sort of an open source project that's going to come in and fill that gap. It's a pretty small, in the software industry in general, it's kind of a small niche. Um, Everyone needs online help, but there aren't a lot of, um, there aren't a lot of, I guess there aren't tons of tools out there to try and accomplish the task. I think the tools that are going to succeed, uh, are tools that look at a writer's workflow and can produce the types of tools that tech writers and tech authors want. Um, who that will be, that's anyone's guess. Um, but I think for a, for a help authoring tool, vendor to be successful in the next five years they've got to be listening to their customers they've got to be implementing the things that the customers want and they're going to have to be flexible enough to um to work with and create tools that allow us to do the best work we can do with the least amount of interference from the tool in essence, I want a tool that just works. I want a tool that can accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish. And, you know, there are a lot of great help authoring tools out there right now. I, I mean, I, you know, I, a few seconds ago I said there weren't very many. There are several good tools. I think AuthorIt has a great tool. I think RoboHelp 7 is a, is a good tool. I think Flare is a great tool. Um, I'm biased towards Flare because it's the tool I use every single day. But I know there's a lot of people who love other tools. And will they be successful? You know, They might. Um, I think that competition in the workplace, or competition in the space, is great for everybody. I think that when um, when there's other competition out there, it drives the need for development and innovation. I think one of the problems that you that maybe FrameMaker suffered from in the past is that it didn't have anyone it was really competing with. And when there's multiple tools in the in the space that are competing for the same customers. The developers have to be innovative and find the best way to do it and the way that makes the people the happiest so that we get the tool in the end that is the best for all of us. And so, you know, I hope that there are are multiple vendors that do great work because that means a better tool for all of us, better help in the end for our customers. And isn't that what we really want?
0: Wow. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Okay. I think I've pretty much asked all the questions that I wanted to ask. But did you have any topics that we didn't cover that you want to discuss? No, I think we've covered it all. All right. I'll ask you one last question. All right. So a person is just starting out with Flare, and they're trying to learn it, and they're frustrated with the learning curve or whatever. What do you suggest is the best course to learning the application?
1: Flare help, I think, is actually remarkably good. for. um, You hate to see a help authoring tool that doesn't have great help. But I think Flores Help is actually really good. I think that we would love to see you in the MADCAP forums. Come ask questions. We, um, we sit there and answer questions frequently for new customers who are trying to do simple things. And you might feel dumb because you think maybe I should know how to do this or it shouldn't be that hard. But there's oftentimes an easy answer. Um, you can search the, the forums. You can search um, the help system. There's a knowledge base from MADCAP that provides a lot of great information madcap support is fantastic if you have a maintenance contract there are um, several ways to get a hold of um, people there at madcap who would be more than willing to look at the your project and help you figure out what's going wrong but if you're a new author i'd say um, dig in try something new if you if you think can can fly do this then try and figure out a way to make it work in many cases it probably does and there's just something that some little trick that you can do to make it do what you want it to do and And so I'd say, yeah, come join us in the forums and ask your questions and find the answers, because I think that you'll be quite pleased in the end with the result of what Flora can produce.
0: All right, and if people want to find out more about you, you have a blog at blog.paulpearson.com. All right, I'll put that link in the show notes. Well, thanks, Paul, for stopping by and for this interview. I've, I've enjoyed it.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.